0: Hi, I'm Denise Denardi and I'm the Chief Sales Officer at Native Roots Cannabis Co. in Colorado and I am proud to work in cannabis because there is never a dull moment. Exciting industry.
1: everybody and welcome back to the proud to work in cannabis podcast we took a two-week break and we are back with the back half of season two i'm really excited today to have a very special guest denise denardi who i'm excited about because we've known you for a long time denise denise is the chief retail officer at native roots which is i think the largest cannabis company in colorado certainly one of the first to market incredible retail experience so denise thank you so much for joining me today how
0: are you I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me. So Denise,
1: talk to us about, you know, for starters, how did you decide to go into the cannabis industry?
0: All right. Well, without giving you a plug, which I will. Get, oh, it great, 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 great. So I was, um, I came from the health and beauty industry and was in it for a long time. I started in health and beauty actually as a franchise owner of multiple retail stores from England, Natural Beauty and then moved to a um, big multinational um, health and beauty company. And so I've always known the, kind of the wellness arena. And then just one day, it's gonna be one of those out of the blue stories, but I did get a call from um, somebody at Vanks just asking about cannabis. And to tell you the truth, it didn't have always viewed cannabis as well, a wellness product. Um, I know there's a lot of people that have the fun factor to it, but cannabis has so many benefits. And I think it, I thought at the beginning of the of the conversation, you know, I'll, I'll hear what she has to say. And what year was this? What year was this? 2018. And, and, and it was Dina
1: from our team, right? It was Dina, and, yes. And pretty yeah. crazy because Dina is still... At Banks today, so so Dina calls I, cold. Calls and her. I always see
0: her. Yeah, Yep. I see Dina. I always say you're the reason I'm in cannabis. But really, she did a great job at really describing the industry because I'll tell you, especially as an outsider coming in, I didn't know a lot about how the industry operated. Um, and you know, I was responsible for you know 150 stores, really finding real estate expansion, opening them up. It's the complete opposite in cannabis. So there was a little bit of a learning curve, but really um, I came out to talk to the company and I thought, let's see what it's all about. And really, to me, the culture of a company is really important. So I clicked with the exec team at Native Roots and really thought that there is a lot of opportunity within the retail space at this company to really see how can we grow, how can we shine, how can cannabis continue to evolve and be more available to more people and really not have it be a conversation that, I mean, for most people who start in cannabis, they don't openly talk about it all the time, but really it is a a great product. It's actually a normalized retail experience now in 2023. So I've seen a lot in the last five years, um, how much the industry changes. So it's dog years when you're in the cannabis industry, but it was really intriguing. And I thought, you know what, I have a high curiosity factor. Um, it's always fun to be able to make an impact as well. So I jumped in both feet and thought, you know, I'm going to give cannabis a try. And you had
1: to move, right? You, you weren't even living in Colorado at the time. Where, remind, remind me, where did you move from? I relocated from Minnesota. And so Minnesota at the time, what did your friends and family think when you told them that you were moving to Colorado to join a cannabis company?
0: Yeah, so before I accepted the job, went out to dinner with my husband and my kids and said, Hey, I've had this opportunity. Obviously, my husband was part of it, the conversation, but I wanted my kids to, you know, to also know that their mom was considering this move. And both of them, college age students, they were both like, it is the fastest growing industry. It's so exciting. There's nothing, I mean, they don't have that stigma about cannabis for them. It's just, you know, it's, it's part of, you know, like I said, it's another product for them that, you know, you have that younger group of individuals who are just so much more open to cannabis. I had some friends who said, Oh, you're never going to have another career. And I'm like, I don't believe that because it's really, you hire somebody for the talents they can bring to the company, not what they're representing exactly. Um, but they were like, you have got to go for it. Just go for it.
1: Your kids, that your kids are saying that.
0: My kids are saying it, just go for it. So um, I did, I you know, up, I remember driving my car to Colorado, and it's been probably one of the best moves I've ever made. So,
1: so when you joined, yeah. so you moved out to Colorado, it was 2018, you joined Native Roots. Uh, I, I would imagine at the time Christine was there, another one of our, Another one of our sure, yeah. fellow placements yeah. who actually then went on to become our COO for a little while. We're still great friends with Christine. Ryan Ryan Brown was the CEO at the time that you
0: joined. Ryan Brown was the CEO. I just saw him a few weeks ago. So we're all. You know, that's the beauty of cannabis. You all stay. Friends. You stay friends. Yeah. So so
1: you moved out yeah. there and talk to us about like the, the state of Native Roots when you got there. How many retail stores? How many employees? Kind of what was the lay of the land? at Native Roots in 2018? In in other words, what were you walking into? Oh, my
0: gosh. Well, I'll tell you, it was an eye-opener because I mentioned it's everything just works a little bit differently because of all the compliance factors in cannabis. So that was a learning curve for me. Um, So I walked into, we had a smaller executive team at the time and um, really walked into, you know, kind of a retail organization. We had 18 stores at the time. Um, some are dual-licensed, some are single-licensed, but we operate medical and recreational, have the largest patient count in Colorado. So really, again, learning the differences between the recreational um, consumer and also the medical consumer. But really, how do we evolve retail? Because at the time, um, dispensaries were really transactional. Customer comes in, they have a one-on-one interaction with a butt tender. Um, we have X amount of products. And we didn't really have a depth of training for our bud tenders so that we could create a career path for them. Um, We also didn't change up our product assortment that frequently. Um, We didn't really track category sales or category mix. We didn't have, we we really focused on top line sales. Um, We did look at profits, but probably not with the intent that we have today. Really are the products we're selling actually making money. Um, And really the employee experience is key because you know that your bud tenders, your assistant managers, your managers are really your frontline interaction with the customer. And so for me, the fun part was how do we move from being a transactional type of retail experience to an experiential type of uh, retail store? So bringing in the education components, um, as I mentioned, really Putting a lot of, of emphasis behind the training and education and intent behind the people that we hire as well. Um, make sure that they really fit within the culture of Native Roots and to make sure that we're still having fun. Cause at the end of the day, you know, that's what we all want to do is really have fun, be proud of the products that we represent, be proud of the people that work in our organization. So the size of the organization, the retail store is 18. When I started, I just Uh, was responsible for retail. Now I also manage our wholesale division as well. Um, So we've always been at about 500 total employees. Um, We now have 20 stores, soon to be 21. So we'll be opening up in Grand Junction in August. So we're super excited. Um, And we opened up during the pandemic, which none of us saw coming. That was another fun thing to go through. But we opened up two of our new format stores. So they're open cell format, completely new store design um, during the pandemic. So again, that was another learning curve because, you know, traditional cannabis, you have, it's a one-on-one interaction, you're standing behind a case. Now it's an open cell where you're walking around, engaging with customers. So um, that's been a really fun work in progress, to tell you the truth. And those stores are doing extremely well. And it's also a more welcoming and inviting experience, especially for people new to cannabis. So-
1: so you just said so many great things, and I want to <laughs> unpack. I want to. I have a, a million questions based off of all the things you just said. So, right. so kind of. St- st- so you know, I, I love the idea of taking the business from a transactional retail experience to an experiential retail business. And mm-hmm. when people are thinking about, perhaps they're thinking about opening a retail location in a new market, and they have a um, a blank canvas. What are there any good frameworks that they can go about, you know, thinking about opening their dispensary to make it experiential? I know you've you've listed out some things like the staff that you hire, the training that you provide them, the layout of the store. But kind of top to bottom, is there a framework people can follow to set themselves up to offer an experiential uh, dispensary versus a transactional dispensary? Yeah. And-
0: I think everybody has different, you know, floor plans are going to be completely different. And in the state that you operate, how you can merchandise and display your products is also very different as well. So what works in our open self floor plans is we have one whole section of the store that's devoted to edibles. So instead of having everything in one case where it can be overwhelming for a consumer, it allows them to explore, wander around the store, stop and ask questions. But we have what I call them community tables. There are really tables within our store where you can stop and have a one-on-one interaction with the customer if they need more questions. We always like to ask, is it your first time at a dispensary? Because that really guides a conversation. Um, And also making sure that for somebody that's new to cannabis, don't open up with a huge variety of products. Bring them on slowly and find out it's all about what the customer wants and what you can bring to the customer. So really find out, because that can be an expensive process. And type a lot of cash flow if you're just loading up your store with everything, because you'll have a lot of, of vendors that approach you. There's a lot of great um, products out there. So, you know, it's different. Does somebody want to have, you know, like maybe a women owned dispensary wants to only feature women owned products or products that have a social equity component to them? So I think everybody has their, you know, really define how you want your, I always call it the personality of the store, but how are you defining yourself in the store? And then you have to make sure that your employees also are following that same definition. Um, So, you know, you wouldn't have a women owned business with women owned products and then all your bartenders are male. So, I mean, really how to be able to communicate in the comfort level of communication, but you know, our level of education goes toward, you know, really all types of things. So it's not, it's beyond, you know, anxiety, depression, um, aches and pains, that type of thing, but really the wellness aspect. Um, and people really are craving that information. You can do a a lot of, of searching on the web. We were talking the other day, even about, you know, education on cannabinoids and terpene profiles, which you can get really deep into those conversations. And I said, you, we can even host like, um, you know, groups of four where you really, Define. What's the difference between Delta 9 and Delta 8? Um, what, what does hemp derived mean versus a, a cannabis product and the testing and all that? So I said, there's so many avenues you can take. But to me, a community table is, in my mind, it's, a, it's an area where people can sit, discover, ask questions, feel part of the community that you build within the store. So what does a new owner or a group, what kind of, you know, what do they want to be known for? Um, some do want, you know, there are some dispensaries that are purely transactional, and that's their business model. But just make sure that it all, it all goes together. But to me, you know, in retail, really, the traditional retail, you want to engage and you want to increase the dwell time, the amount of time people spend in a store. So if you can design your, your store around that, um, it's ideal. Now, in, in our compliance world, we also have purchase limits. Uh, which doesn't exist in in regular retail, but I'd say that's kind of the short, the super long short answer.
1: No, I like the tip around like defining the personality of the store. And if you're and really kind of sticking to that, because everyone will have their own unique story. And how do you want your customers to feel when they enter A, a tip that I didn't know? Because Right, I run a staffing company, so retail is very new to me. But a tip that I didn't know, and a metric is increasing the amount of time they spend in the store. So I was always kind of thinking, and I obviously had it wrong, that you wanted to get customers in, get them their product, and get them out to then get the next person in. But can you talk more about that and the the idea of keeping people in? Does that lead to increased sales and you know higher quality sales and higher quality customers and all those? Downstream metrics. Yep,
0: it's a it's a really good question. So in a transactional situation, you I'll say in some of our stores that are really built in the transaction model, that one on one interaction, we really have to coach our bud tenders to really make sure that your questions are open ended, that you're understanding what the customer wants, that you're not offering products that are your favorite products. Um, so that is a little bit probably leans a little bit more towards transactional, but can be experiential if you guide them through the right questions, but really dwell time and having, especially in an open cell floor plant, which when you look at most new dispensary, they're all kind of leaning in that direction to tell you the truth, but you really want the longer somebody stays, they ask more questions, they discover more products, the basket size is um, higher So you want to you want to set a target for how big you want your basket to be, you know, an average of, we'll say, three products per transaction and also your uh, transaction um, value is also higher because people understand they may come in with the mindset of I only have twenty five dollars to spend. That's all I'm going to spend. But then quality may win. They might spend ten dollars more for quality. Um, so it's really, and again, it's all about engagement with the customer. So there are some people that are really good at really dialing into engaging with the customer and can have a faster transaction, but really increasing the time that people stay. Um, it, it's, it's it's especially in cannabis where you want that that um, comfort level. Now you always have your you you know your regulars that come in and buy the same thing every single week. So this is really for people new to cannabis, but you're regular with them. You're always saying, this is what we have. that's new because they're really interested in what are you bringing in new strains or whatever? So again, it's engagement and they may spend a little bit more than they, than they typically did. And it's always a fine balance on turning the customer. I'll give you an example. I was in one of our medical stores and there was a wonderful gentleman who was he st- you know, he finished his transaction and started taking pictures, showing pictures of his dog and all that. So part of the the and there's two people waiting. So part of the the um, our training is also how do you now kind of disengage from that customer that, you know, maybe this is like they're in the store and really they have nothing else going on that day. But making them still feel welcome and they don't have to leave, but you can help somebody else and then go back to that customer as well. But it's really it's developing those relationships with the customers that keep them coming back and builds loyalty. So
1: I want to I want to talk I want to get into some of the stuff around employees, but just one question um, around the metrics. So I know you said, um, you know, something that you're looking at is how long customers stay in the store, and then I heard you say, like how how big is the basket? How many items are in the basket? Um, what's the total transaction value in the basket? Is there any other? critical metrics that somebody that might be opening up a retail store um, should be looking at on a regular basis from their, you know, customer engagement metrics?
0: How frequently is that customer return? frequently So really look at your customers and what's the frequency of return. So if you have a customer that's coming in and you don't see them for six months, you want to look at that customer lifetime value. So how quickly are they returning to come back? Um, and there's a variety of reasons why they may come back. You may have um, new product availability, strains. You may be, you know, aside from the product side, you may be hosting education classes or fun events and that type of thing that keeps that customer coming back. Um, but it's that engagement with the customer, so really looking at how frequently do they come back because you want that frequency as well. So such in-
1: incredible helpful tips for, for anybody listening. You're, you're, you're getting a master class on opening a retail location. Uh, Moving into the employees, because as you said, the bud tender, the assistant store manager, and the store manager, I mean, that's your front lines to the customer. And so how do you think about how to hire for those roles, and what do you look for in your hiring?
0: That's a really good question. We've had hits and misses, I will admit. You know, for us, we've evolved towards more behavioral-based questions. When I started at Native Roots in Cannabis, it was really, what led the conversation was, do you have experience in cannabis? And so that was really, if they had experience in cannabis, they moved forward in the interview process. To me, it's especially with retail. You know, I talk about customer engagement a lot. If you have somebody that comes from a hospitality background, et cetera, where they've really had customer interaction, it's not something that you can always teach to somebody. Um, So to me, it's passion about the company that they're working for, passion about the brand, um, really good collaborative work style. Um, So they work well in teams because we are a team, um, you know, it is team selling environment uh, where they all need to get along. So it's not like super, it's competitive in a fun way, but really we moved away from cannabis first because my philosophy is cannabis again is a product that we offer in a variety of formats. We have so much training on product training on that. So people can, individuals can train on the product and learn about the product. But I would say you can't train the right personality to work in retail. So really making sure that through those behavioral questions that give them uh, scenarios on how they would have, how they would engage with the customer. And we have a series of open-ended questions. We do a lot of role-playing. And you really see how comfortable are they in an environment like that. And that really moves them forward. And then we go through a very robust product training Uh, Program, but it's really that that key um, on immediate engagement. How comfortable they are, how open they are, Um, and that's so we've. I'm gonna say we've done a 360 on that. We're no longer leading with cannabis first, but really the talent and the ability. And then if they have all of that, it's a it's an absolute bonus because the training is that much faster, and they can speak really intelligently with customers.
1: And I I there's this like great quote from Southwest. I, I'm not sure if it was the founder who said it or the – I'm not I'm – not, someone from Southwest said it, but they said you can teach someone how to push the cart up and down the airplane aisle, but you can't teach them how to smile. And I think that that's, you know, really sort of speaks to what you were saying around you can teach people cannabis, but you, you can't teach somebody how to, no matter what, want to offer a customer a great experience. And if a customer comes in and is having a bad day, just have the social skills to know how to navigate that, or at least want to navigate that. So I completely agree. And I also think like, from the standpoint of there's so many more jobs being created in cannabis than there are people with cannabis experience, more companies do need to adopt this mindset. Because if there's 400,000 people employed in cannabis today and based on sales estimates, we estimate there'll be a million people employed in cannabis over the next decade. That's 600,000 brand new people that need to come into the industry. Um, there's just simply not enough people with cannabis experience to fill all of those jobs. So moving into the direction on, on training, and this has been something that you've been helping us with, of course, Vex is a hiring company, but we know how critical training is. And so we're working on ways to incorporate training into our product and to help our candidates get the training they need to succeed in their job and move up. What is the training program like at Native Roots? What have you seen work and how do you go about teaching folks who have the right attitude, who have the right hospitality mindset?
0: How do you you teach them on cannabis? So we have, you know, day one, they have a company orientation, which is pretty standard. Well, we um, started probably about six months ago, six to eight months ago was an advanced sales training. So a new employee goes through day one of orientation, day two is retail only, and it's really sales fundamentals. So really it it talks about customer scenarios, the different types of products that we carry. It goes into even our, where our stores are placed and the different customers we have. So customer demographics, those are very important. So we, and this we focus. is this
1: does this go down in person in a store? Are they in the corporate office? In person. In person. That's
0: awesome. We bring them to our headquarters. They do it in person. It's so much easier to see how they engage when you do it mm-hmm. in person. Now obviously during COVID, we had to do it all virtually. Um and where we that's been working very well, but the thing is it's all new hires that are coming in that started getting this new training. So then we said, okay, our, we're having our managers and our assistant managers or any um, employees that were hired previous to the launch of this sales training program come in and go through the training. Because from my perspective is, I'm a new employee, I go through this training, I go to a store, if they're not following what I just learned in training, then I just wasted a full day training an individual who now is not going to adopt those techniques because nobody else is. So we're now moving into what I call it, you know, it's going to be advanced in different ways. So our assistant managers will be advanced because where we have a gap is assistant managers moving into manager roles because cannabis, it it still is very um, operational, but we've moved away from that. We opened up a distribution center um, where we ship all of our products from a distribution center instead of vendors delivering to all of our stores. So it's taken a lot of the operational work out of our stores, you know, the old stickering. Um, So it's really forcing everybody to be, we're a sales organization. So focus on sales and being out on the floor and not so many of the administrative tasks. So it's really making sure that we have um, continual education for all levels within our retail stores. And I love what you said about you know, cannabis is bringing. There's so many people that are new to cannabis, and there's a limited amount of people who have cannabis experience. So we experience that even with our district managers, where, you know, the old way used to be, we can't hire a district manager from, you know, a a a well-known retailer because they don't have cannabis experience and they won't get the buy-in from the bud tenders. And I would say the buy-in from the bud tenders is what they can learn from this district manager. So it's really, I would say what's in it for them is what they can learn and how they can advance in their career within native roots or elsewhere in the cannabis industry. But it's, it's what we bring to those individuals. That's critical.
1: And now, um, do you think that it's be- at your company? Do you guys try to bring in folks at the bud tender level and then help them move up to assistant manager, manager, district manager, or are you, are you like you just mentioned, going out, find, finding someone from a well-known retail chain and then bringing them in? Like, are you kind of hiring lower or like, how do you think about that? Well,
0: right now we do train. Most of our store managers were assistant managers were Bud tenders. Awesome. So in that area, we've we've really done, we try and promote internally, have them start. Our director of retail came over from, he was a re, uh, retail for a footwear company, and he started as a, a bud tender, and then was a store manager in training. Then he became a district manager and he's moved up. He's been with us for seven years, but he moved up in a really fast way because he was very open and eager to learn. He took a, a big pay cut to come into cannabis because he was so interested in getting into the industry. Again, this was seven years ago, but it's really grown. So we wanna make sure that they have the tools. What hasn't worked as well is when we just rely on the individuals to take like online training courses, um, really because they, they take them, but there's really no knowledge check other than a knowledge check that's built into the system. So now we make sure we have a buddy system in the store. So we have that new bud tender, working with somebody that's a little bit more experienced so they can work with each other. So maybe I'm a brand new bud tender and I really haven't really adopted the act of suggested selling, but I have somebody that can help. Hey, you know, I've had experience with this, or we have a customer, it's usually not the I, but a customer has really said they've had great experience with this product, etc. So make sure that that teamwork always exists in the store and that they have the support that they need. Um, because the compliance around cannabis sometimes you know, it can be nerve-wracking when you get on the floor for the first time and doing the ID check. And we try to make it, it's really fun. You're, you're actually bringing a fun and educational experience to each and every consumer. So bring keep that front of mind as well.
1: And I also feel like just like learning by doing, at least in thinking of myself, is so much more effective than watching something on the screen. So being able to come in, know that I have a buddy that I can partner up with, I can watch them yeah. and then mimic them. I feel like that. Is so much more inviting than just like watching a course online.
0: It is. It is. And you do have that engagement again, because I always figured they're going to be engaging with customers, right? So they need to engage with the coworkers as well. Um, so yeah, we found that was probably the least effective method And we started bringing people in-house for the training and really investing in their education. It really was a big turnaround in terms of not only the people that we were attracting, because most of the new bed tenders are coming. Some of them are coming from other dispensaries, but people new to cannabis. And and those are the ones who have the excitement. And, um, you know, they really last a long time within our organization, which is really fun. But we've seen a lot of people move around and, you know, coming into corporate roles or working at our, we call the mothership, our our yep, grow yep, yep. and our myth. Yep, so find them going to different parts of the company. So it's really exciting to see um, how people have grown within our company and moved around.
1: So Denise, what, what's been the most surprising thing in cannabis for you since you've joined in 2018 to, to 2023, which is a very long time?
0: Okay, outside of the the uh, ups and downs, you know, pre-pandemic, post-pandemic, the, the biggest eye-opener for me when I first started was... You know, I mentioned I used to open up retail stores and find locations. And in cannabis, it's so much different. So, you acquire the license, um, you find a location. It's not always the location that you want because you are really restricted as to where you can be. And then the steps to opening up a dispensary. So, you know, in traditional retail, you find, let's say, a location in a mall, and then you sign a lease and you open up your store. Now it's completely backwards acquire the license, and that takes a while to get approved, find the location. And then you have, there's so many compliance steps along the way to open up a store. So opening up a store from the ground up, it was probably an eye opener. Um, You know, the other one is probably not as evident, but it's really a little bit about what we just talked about, really engaging everybody on Cannabis is a wonderful industry. It is becoming, I hate when people say normalized, but it is really, it it is a wonderful industry. As you said, it provides so many jobs. But how to take that um, from the people who have been here for a long time that um, don't have confidence in people that don't have the cannabis background. So for me, my learning curve was I came into this position
1: in a leadership
0: role, not having cannabis um, experience. So really having to win over my team through- what I can deliver in terms of retail growth, et cetera, cannabis experience aside, because, because again, it was that product. So that was probably the the biggest learning curve um, aside from really the brick and mortar. But, you know, what I found most exciting about it is just the engagement with people within the industry where it's always, you know, whether it's just meeting somebody from a, um, a whether it's an ancillary company or a competing dispensary or going to a conference, you know, I'm part of a women in cannabis group now. So there's so many opportunities to really connect, engage, and network. I love that every single day.
1: Yeah. And, and I think that to your point around, I think like people underestimate, right? They come into cannabis and they think, oh, I opened 200 retail locations in insert industry. And then it is a little bit eye-opening in terms of just all the challenges that, people need to go through. So I always tell people, if you can thrive in cannabis, you can probably thrive in a lot of other industries because there's just like hurdle after hurdle after hurdle. People are, you know, just struggling to survive every single day. I mean, it really is an incredibly challenging industry to operate in.
0: It is. And I'll, I I agree with you. If you can do it in cannabis, you can do it anywhere.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. So so we're coming up on, on time here, but my, my last question for you is, what do you most looking forward to over the next five years in cannabis?
0: You know, we we work a lot on strategy. So I'm glad you asked that because we're always looking ahead. I'm excited, obviously, about our Grand Junction store. Um, I'm also excited about the opportunity of opening up more stores. So, you know, you mentioned that we're the largest um, cannabis organization or cannabis company in Colorado. We're locally owned. I never thought I'd be able to say that because now the landscape has changed so much, but we're large, we're local, really expanding within Colorado. We always look at opportunities in other states, but I'm also excited about some of the products that we have in the works in um, our production facility, looking at what products we can launch and some licensing opportunities that we look at. So really, um, we always look at how can we evolve um, just because we've grown plants the same way isn't, it's not always what we're going to do. So we launched two new flower brands last year that have been very, very successful. So on the product side is products that we're gonna bring to market and then expansion of our stores. And then how we're going to continue to see this career trajectory with our employees within our organization. So that's super exciting.
1: Well, great. Well, Denise, thank you so much for joining. It's amazing that you are a Vankster. We helped you find the job and now you're on the podcast, which is awesome. Um, Native Roots is hiring, so if you go to vankscom slash Native Roots there's several jobs that are available there we're going to have some training courses from Native Roots on some of the brands that Denise just described that will live there so lots of ways to engage with Native Roots and of course if you're looking for an incredible retail experience, locally owned here in Colorado, make sure to stop into Native Roots and check out what a great retail experience it is, so Denise, thank you so much for joining me today.
0: Thank you, have a great day
1: Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Tune into a major journey podcast today, where guests take listeners on journeys and immerse themselves in the roller coaster ride both in and out of the cannabis space that brought them to where they are today. Throughout our conversations, guests share valuable lessons that they've learned along the way that listeners can use to empower growth both in their personal and professional lives. Check out a major journey today on all major podcast platforms.